Here's a quick word from our football educational partners over at the Scouting Academy. Listen, we've said it all the time. If you love the analysis and you're passionate about football, then you really need to check out the Scouting Academy. Whether you're a football coach, aspiring writer, or even aspiring football agent, the Scouting Academy is really a perfect place for you to learn and develop your skills as an analyst. With curriculum that spans over 375 years of coaching and personnel experience, the Scouting Academy offers you a 16-week online course that you can tailor and build to meet your needs and your interests. Whether you're learning about wide receivers or defensive linemen, you can make the experience what you want it to be. Listen, I've said it to you on this podcast many times. I've spent my own money, my own time, and time away from my friends and family because I am just this passionate about this game. And the Scouting Academy is the place where I really feel like I've learned the most I've ever learned about the game of football. It's made me a better analyst. It's made me a better person in terms of the coaching I do on the field. I can't say enough great things about it. If you have any questions about the Scouting Academy, please don't hesitate to reach out to Dan Hatman on Twitter or reach out to the Scouting Academy online via email. I'm open to all questions as well. Heck, I'm still even a student there myself. Please don't hesitate to reach out. I really think that once you learn all the tools and gain the knowledge that they have to offer, I really think you're going to be absolutely excited about the game of football again. This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and I am super excited to have once again as a guest here at Saturday to Sunday is Mr. Mike Clay from ESPN. Mike, welcome back to the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's talk some football. Absolutely. So let's get right into it. These rookies this year, very interesting class. Let's start the quarterback, and we'll just leave it to two very straightforward questions. The first one on Kyler Murray. Have you ever anticipated a rookie quarterback season like people are expecting for Kyler Murray? I think the expectations are really sky high. Do you feel that, that he could have a historic first year in terms of his fantasy outlook? And just how high would you even maybe consider him, you know, in the dynasty landscape at the quarterback position based on his dual threat ability, the offense that he might be playing in, you know, early in his career? Yeah, it's funny you say that. I mean, my projection for him as a rookie, assuming that he starts week one, which is uh, what we're all assuming, is very high. In fact, it would be one of the best rookie seasons of all time. And part of that certainly is, you know, his rushing ability, right? We know that uh, rookie quarterbacks that that do a lot of damage have a lot of success, uh, especially in, in fantasy do a lot with their legs. You know, you don't see pocket passers uh, come out, come out and light it up in terms of, uh, you know, the box score, yardage, touchdowns, that sort of thing. But if you run the ball, you can have a pretty darn good season. And obviously he brings a lot to the table there. Uh, however, he saw my projection for next season, his rookie season, and he wasn't happy. He thought it was, uh, it, he thought it was re- way too low in terms of uh, rushing attempts and, and his touchdown interception ratio. So so I don't know. I think I'm optimistic. He doesn't. And and again, it would be one of the best rookie seasons ever. But, you know, I'm with you. You kind of laid out the reasons. I, I think there's 
uh, a lot to like about him short and long term. And according to him, he's going to put down a, a pretty darn good, maybe even a Pro Bowl season out of the gate here uh, as a rookie. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, and, and in the bigger picture, in terms of overall dynasty quarterback rankings, even if you don't have them exactly laid out, would you say, like, if you were in a startup dynasty, would you target him as a as a relatively early quarterback? Or, like, would you have him over like veterans like Aaron Rodgers and guys who are in there, you know, like that middle thirty or early to to mid thirty part of their career? Would you go for a guy like an upside like Murray, or would he still be a little bit further down in your overall dynasty QB rankings? You think? Well, I'll say this: he, I, I have him at eight. I'm a QB eight, so that's a little bit behind guys like Goff and Wentz and Rodgers. Uh, that said, I mean, there's so many options at quarterback now that I, that I wouldn't mind taking him early because you know, you know, it, even if he's not a sure thing and you reach on him a little bit, you know, late in your your draft, you're going to be able to get a guy like Ben Roethlisberger or Tom Brady or Drew Brees, and you know, at least you know two two out of the three, maybe not Brady after what we saw last year. At least two of those guys are probably going to give you QB one production in the short term, but. And even if you get down to near the end of my top 20, Kirk Cousins, Lamar Jackson, Phillip Rivers, this is Dynasty Rankings, of course, Matthew Stafford, you know, there's there's a lot of guys that can kind of hold down the fort if he does bust or start slowly. So just the depth at the position to me says you wait, obviously, but if you want to reach on a high ceiling guy like Murray, who, I mean, if he, man, if he starts rushing for six, seven, seven eight, nine hundred yards and is also an, a, a terrific passer, which we do expect him to be. I mean, the sky's the limit. This guy could be, you know, kind of change the game at quarterback in fantasy football. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be fun to watch that. And the final quarterback question, and long-term, obviously Daniel Jones, there was a lot of skeptics when he was taken. Me personally, as a Giants fan, was a little bit surprised and, and stunned when that happened. It seems like Dwayne Haskins is going to get an opportunity to play in Washington, probably earlier than Daniel Jones. Most people thought on talent alone, Daniel Haskins was preferred over Daniel Jones. But in terms of the fantasy landscape, where do you kind of see them long term? Does Daniel Jones's potential running ability close the gap in terms of the fantasy landscape in terms of Dwayne Haskins versus Daniel Jones? Or do you just like Dwayne Haskins overall, you know, quarterback talent ability in terms of throwing the ball more that even without that running capability of Haskins, you would still have him ahead of Daniel Jones in terms of dynasty? Yeah, well, I think uh, Jones's floor is a little bit higher because he runs. But again, if he's just a bad passer and loses his job, it doesn't matter, you know. So he's, he's just gonna you're gonna cut him from your, your dynasty team or your fantasy team. It's not gonna matter. So uh, I would still, and and that obviously is something we have to weigh uh, when we're ranking these quarterbacks. But um, I do prefer Haskins. I've him ranked uh, as my number two rookie quarterback. I have Jones at three. But you're right. I mean, if you know if there's a quarterback who is kind of maybe get a starting job around mid-season and kind of surprised with his legs and end up somewhat fantasy relevant, that would be Jones, right? I mean, he's a pretty good athlete. He tested well a lot like Josh Allen did last year, and nobody saw what, nobody saw that coming with Josh Allen by any means. And, and I don't think he'll produce that much with his legs, but who knows? It's kind of a, a new era in the NFL where we used to say, hey, this guy's sneaky good with his legs, and, and, and you know, that's, gonna, that's an added bonus in fantasy anymore. It's like if you're not adding points with your legs, that's the outlier, you know. So uh, Jones kind of fits that mold. Haskins obviously on the other end does nothing with his legs. I mean, the guy just has, has little that he's going to bring the t- to the table there. So um, that does help Jones' ca- uh, cause for sure. But, again, I'm not really buying in on him as a passer. And I, I'm just, you know, I, if, if I had to lean one way, I just don't think he's going to cut it as a starter in the NFL. So I'm not really interested in investing in him in uh, dynasty leagues. Yeah. I mean, it does seem like the giants preferred 
Jones a little bit. I think the mental makeup and his background and then also the athleticism and mobility. I think that was something they talked about a lot. So it'll be interesting to see how much they kind of let loose him with there uh, and how much they ask him to run and make some plays off structure and pick up yards on the ground. If we take this to the running backs, the rookie running backs, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, short term versus long term. Most people seem to think Jacobs is going to get the most opportunity in the short term, followed by Montgomery and Sanders, just based on the backfield situation there in the Eagles training for Jordan Howard. Do you see it similarly in the short term and in the long term in terms of dynasty? Would you still have it that way or would you prefer Sanders over either one of them? I mean, Jacobs is number one for me for sure. I, you know, he just has good size. He could catch the ball. He could run it. He could work at the goal line. I mean, he's he could be the next in a a short line of workhorses in the NFL. First round pedigree, obviously, that's been huge in recent seasons in terms of uh, projecting uh, projecting workload out of the gate. And also, I mean, even if you think these guys are similar in terms of their ability, Jacobs is almost a full year younger than Montgomery and Sanders. Actually, it's it's yeah, it's about six months with Montgomery. It's almost a full year with Sanders, so that helps his cause as well. Um, so he's easily number one on a tier of his own. After that, I have Montgomery second. I know he went in the third round, Sanders in the second, but uh, again, Montgomery is a little bit more size to him, and his rushing efficiency is off the charts. I mean, if we're just looking at on field here, we're just talking about on field their their game, uh, their build. Montgomery compares very similarly to Kareem Hunt in that he's, you know, again, he has the good size. He, he lacks long speed, but he makes up for it with unbelievable balance and tackle breaking elusiveness. So uh, just a, a record setter in that sort of department at Iowa State. So like like Montgomery second, then I go Sanders third, who I'm worried could settle in as more of a, a committee back in the NFL. But, you know, maybe on maybe the 1A and there's a 1B like a Jordan Howard mixed in. But you wonder if he'll ever be a 25 touch guy. I think he, uh, you know, Montgomery and Jacobs could be. I think Sanders probably more of a 15 touch guy. And there's plenty to like about that, right? He's a great athlete, can make plays, can catch the football. He, he can carve out a, a very good career in in fantasy and in, in the NFL in that sort of role. But for me, that's all enough to make him third in line. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. In terms of Montgomery, the fact that Chicago with limited draft capital this year made an aggressive, bold move up to get him, I think speaks volumes of maybe the plans they have for him. So that's going to be interesting to follow. Obviously, Darrell Henderson with the Rams, a lot of uncertainty right now with Todd Gurley. What would be your recommendation right now if someone had a rookie draft coming up? Where would you personally, if it was your team, feel comfortable with Henderson? Do you think he's a mid to late round one guy, which that's kind of what it sounds like the, the ADP is pushing towards? Or you more, I, I need to hold off a little bit on that and say maybe more second round for Henderson? Yeah, my initial ranks uh, after the draft, I was kind of lower on him. I had him at 17. I moved him up a few spots since then, but not by much. And uh the reason is this. I mean, you're seeing it, it was pretty much like, wow, Todd Curley, Todd Gurley's done, right? His career is over. That was like the reaction a few weeks ago. And then you're starting to see the more reasonable re- uh, reports come in that, yeah, he might be scaled back a little bit, but he still could be an up uh, 20 to 25 touch player. And if that's the case, how does Daryl Henderson score fantasy points over the next few seasons? He doesn't unless Gurley's out of the lineup. He, if he's a six to eight touch guy, are you going to want to start him in, in your lineup? Of course you're not. So uh, he's a super valuable handcuff. He could be a star in this league someday. His rushing efficiency uh, at Memphis was ridiculous, right around nine yards per carry. It's just crazy. So I like the kid, and I think they'll try to work him into that sort of Chris Thompson role. They've, they've tried to do that. Remember, they brought in Lance Dunbar a couple of years ago. Uh, so I think they'll try to get Henderson some of those touches. But at the end of the day, I still think it's Todd Gurley's backfield. And uh, there's really 
there, there's worries, you know, there's reason to worry that maybe he could get hurt during the season or this could nag him. But for now, it sounds like he'll be ready to go week one. And, you know, he's if he's their lead back, I, again, I do expect him when healthy to be close to a 20-touch player. That's bad news for Henderson short term. Yeah, absolutely. I do think right now, unless more negative news comes out with Gurley that impacts him potentially playing this year early on or getting more than like 10 to 12 touches, if they think he's going to be in that 16 to 18 range, I think Henderson's maybe getting pushed up a tad early. I'll ask you two final running back questions and I'll ask them together and you can kind of take them then. Damian Harris versus Justice Hill. I think they're very intriguing trying to decipher between them. Damian Harris, obviously, a year after the Patriots drafted Tony Michelle, who at times had, was very successful. Harris had some, has some draft capital with him as a third-round pick. Justice Hill was in the early part of the fourth round, very big-time playmaker you know, in the open field, good speed and quickness. That running game there, Baltimore, very effective, playing behind Mark Ingram. Who of those two guys do you like more in terms of maybe short-term and long-term? And then is there one other guy under the radar, whether it's a, one of the handcuffs like Alexander Madison or Raquel Armstead, Benny Snell, Dexter Williams, or one of those satellite guys like a Tony Pollard, you know, or Darwin mm-hmm. Thompson, is any of those kind of pique your interest? Yeah, I mean, first on Harrison Hill, I have Harris one spot ahead. So I have those guys at uh, six and seven. It's close, but, uh, you know, you have a little more size with Harris. Remember, this guy played more snaps last year at Alabama than Josh Jacobs. I don't think people realize that. I mean, he was really the number one back for a team that had uh, the running back who was drafted in the first round in Jacobs. So, um, and, and you know, his, his efficiency was fine. Wasn't quite as good as Jacobs, but I think he could carve out a role uh, especially, you know, if Sony Michelle goes down with an injury, look out. I mean, Harris's stock will skyrocket for sure. He's also a little bit more dynamic than Michelle in that he can catch the football uh, a little bit better. Um, and then as for Hill, a little bit undersized. He's under 200 pounds. It's always a red flag for running backs. He, you know, he is obviously has good speed, good athleticism. I noticed that last year he really benefited from yards before contact, which is interesting because, you know, a comp for him is Philip Lindsay, who again lit it up in the NFL last year thanks to a lot of, of pre-contact room. You know, the offensive line was giving him huge holes. So uh, kind of interesting that Hill uh, had the same benefit at Oklahoma State last season. But again, I worry that he'll be a scat back, you know, not a guy that's going to be a feature back. And that's something you think about when you're drafting. You know, can Henderson or Devin Singletary or uh, Damian Harris or Bryce Love, can they be feature backs? I think so. And, you know, maybe that pushes me away from Hill. He's really going to be looking to carve out a, a 50 catch from 60 catch short of roll to, to land on the fantasy radar. Uh, in fairness to him though, he is uh, one of the younger backs. So that helps his cause. And then, uh, you know, a few sleepers. I, I really like Jordan Scarlett uh, and Olison who went to Atlanta. Both guys were in the fifth round. So I would, I would throw them out there as sleepers, but again, I think they're kind of your Chris Carson, Jordan Howard sort of prospects where that, you know, they're going to be good on the early downs. They have a lot of upside as rushers, but maybe don't do much as pass catchers in the NFL. And again, if you're in PPR, that's a little bit of a red flag that's going to bother you a bit. So keep that in mind. Maybe potential eight touchdown scores down the road. But, um, you know, again, limited upside because they, they don't catch the ball much. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be interesting. A lot of those guys, see if they could carve out a role, see if we could have a guy that emerges to be like you talked about, Chris Carson and some other guys like that. If we take this to the wide receiver position, can you just outline a little bit in terms of what the top of your wide receiver rookie rankings look like? Because I really think, I never remember a year post-draft that there's this little (laughs) consensus from one evaluator to another. You can find, you can line up 10 people and I don't think anybody's top five, you know, is going to look the same because I think it could go eight or nine guys who could possibly be in consideration what does yours look like is it start with Nikhil Harry and then go from there and if so what does it look like 
Yeah, it's funny you say that. I mean, yeah, seven go in the second round and two in the first round. I mean, yeah, it makes it tough, especially with them. You know, even the first rounders were mid to late in that round. So they are all really tight together and you have to consider where they landed, short-term quarterbacks, age, all that kind of thing. So it's really tough for sure. But uh, yeah, I have Harry number one for sure. I think he should be a top three pick in fantasy drafts. Uh, you know, I could see him falling to four if you're in a, a, a league that benefits more from or, you know, gets more out of running backs. And maybe you want to go Sanders and Montgomery there. But he's number one. Um, I do like A.J. Brown's talent a lot. So I have him number two on my board. Frankly, I thought he would fall further. You know, he's been going in the top five of a lot of rookie drafts. I thought he would fall because of that landing spot with Tennessee. But, you know, I think people realize this guy's super talented. He could per- turn out to be the best wide receiver in this class. So I like him a lot. Good size could be in, it can be used all over the field. Uh, and then from there, I mean, just to list them off, Arcega Whiteside, I like he's going in round two of rookie draft. So a lot of rookie drafts. I've seen him plummeting. Really love that fit in Philadelphia. I like the talent there. Andy Isabella, fourth. Uh, DK Metcalf goes to Seattle. Obviously a nice vertical connection there with Russell Wilson. Marquise Brown, the other first round running back, or, uh, receiver. I have sixth. Again, Worry about his all-around game. You know, can he be a high-volume guy, or is he just going to be a Deshaun Jackson sort of player? Uh, you know, it's just that, that's really what it comes down to, not to mention short-term. You have a run-heavy, a super run-heavy Ravens offense that could limit Brown's Brown's fantasy production. So that's a concern. Then Debo Samuel, Michael Hardman goes to Kansas City. Of course, we'll see what happens with Tyree Kill there, Paris Campbell, and Hakeem Butler. That's how I round out the top 10. I think that's kind of that first tier, if you will, at the wide receiver spot. Yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, I'm hearing you list these guys' names off, and I'm thinking, yeah, I've heard him, someone have him at four, you have him right. at seven. And it, 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 there's just so much uncertainty over it. And there's so much, even in their own teams, like A.J. Brown, like, is he going to emerge over Corey Davis, Debo Samuel, Dante Pettis, very comparable players, inside, outside guys. So much, you know, I think... I think preseason will start. We'll start to see some things. And then during the season, even, I think a lot of these guys are going to be very inconsistent. Is there any, before we go to tight ends to close this out, is there any sleepers? Do you like, I know a lot of people uh, have Deontay Johnson as a guy that really intrigues them. Is there someone between him or Terry McLaurin or Miles Boykin? Some people even are intrigued by Jalen Hurd or some late round guys like Calvin Harmon or Darius Slayton. Is there one or two of those guys that really intrigue you and you've, you've been trying to get on your rookie teams? Yeah, definitely. It's funny. I, I've been kind of, I mean, John Schneider have been on the same page the past couple of years, I think, out there running the the Seahawks because you know, Rashad Penny was a guy I liked a lot. Uh, of course, a lot of people did, but Chris Carson was my favorite sleeper in that draft, and that has turned out to be a home run uh, for the Seahawks. And this year, you know, Travis Homer was on my sleeper list. They took him late. We had the running back spot. And at wide receiver, a guy that I had way ahead of everyone else was Gary Jennings, who was pretty much projected as undrafted by uh, most people, he goes in the fourth round, kind of out of nowhere to the Seahawks. So that was kind of shocking, but it makes sense. He had a good combine and his production, his efficiency at West Virginia was terrific. So I like that landing spot a lot. I'm looking here at at his positional rankings, kind of at uh, some sites, 43rd, 42nd, 42nd, 32nd, 27th. I mean, he just was so far off the radar. And uh, here he is uh, going in the fourth round. So I like that a lot. Not to mention he's a slot guy. Uh, he's primarily a slot and a, and a returner. And Doug Baldwin ret- retired. So maybe he wins that slot job and, and kind of mixes in there with guys like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, David Moore, and, and makes an impact right away. So I like Jennings a lot. I like Miles Boykin a lot out of Notre Dame. I'll mix that. I'll mention him, even though he went to Baltimore, which is not a great fit. Uh, Kelvin Harmon, too, of course, he got, falls to the sixth round. So that hurts his stock a lot. You don't uh, love that. And how about an undrafted guy? I'll throw one in here. Antoine Wesley, again, another guy who goes to Baltimore. You don't like that, but 
Uh, I liked him a lot as well as Emmanuel Hall who landed with the the Bears. Both of those guys went undrafted. They're guys I'm keeping an eye on in deeper leagues. Yeah, I really love that you brought up Gary Jennings because I really do think he's a he's a pretty refined player, and I think it's a pretty good compliment to DK Metcalf being pretty raw. That I wouldn't be surprised if Jennings quickly emerges, and you know, if it's Jennings, Lockett, and, and DK Metcalf sooner rather than later as their three wide receivers, I think Jennings is going to be potentially productive in that offense. Listen, DK is going to have splash plays. He deserves to be obviously much higher in, in rookie rankings, you know, because of that big playability and the upside that he might have. But there could be a little bit of a, a growth and development phase for a guy like DK Metcalf who wasn't asked to run a lot of routes at Ole Miss. So I think Jennings is a really under the radar guy with a lot of targets up for grabs there without Doug Baldwin uh, there in the mix. And let's round this out real quick at tight ends. Are you more Hawkinson or fan? I think that's pretty split in the fantasy community in terms of long-term value. Some people like the Hawkinson to Detroit saying they're going to envision him as Rob Gronkowski. Other people say Detroit isn't a great landing spot. Fan, they like the landing spot and the raw upside more. I personally think he's a little bit refined, needs a little bit of refinement in terms of his route running. So I could see people going either way on those two. Yeah, definitely. I think the best way to think about it here is Hawkinson could be more of a, you know, I don't, I don't like, I try not to compare to Gronk just because he's so far off the reservation of, of what, of a realistic expectation. But, you know, I like a, a Travis Kelsey or, you know, a, maybe an OJ Howard type where he's going to block and, and run routes, whereas fans more of an Evan Ingram, Eric Ebron, right? He's going to line up in the slot, focus primarily on wide receiver. They say he wants to block and they're going to use him that way. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, the guy's primary job is going to be to catch the football, whereas Hawkinson will do a bit more. So it's got to pick your poison there. I, yeah, I, I like both guys. I think, uh, you know, they both went in the first round for a reason, and they both have top five upside at the position. If I had to pick one, I'm t- still taking Hawkinson. I, I, you know, I just think him being an all-around uh, sort of player that's going to be on the field on every down, you know that he's a terrific, terrific athlete. There's just so much to like. So I, I just like the ceiling there. Uh, and the floor, honestly, I think he he is a high in both of those departments. So for me, Hawkinson and then Fant, clearly that top tier of tight end. Yeah, and you mentioned it. And last question, uh, you mentioned that that represents tier one. I think most people seem to think tier two is made up of Irv Smith Jr. With Minnesota, obviously Kyle Rudolph's situation there could impact this. And then Jay Sternberger in Green Bay. And then that seems to be tier two. And then tier three seems to be Cahill Waring with Houston, Dawson Knox to Buffalo, and Josh Oliver to Jacksonville, all top 100 picks. Is there one from each of those tiers that you prefer more, Irv or Sternberger? And then one of those sleeper, Waring, Knox, or Oliver? Yeah, Irv's uh, combine was disappointing, and he's very young. You know, he just turned 21, so uh, I was kind of shocked when we heard rumors that Kyle Rudolph could be let go or traded during the draft because that would put an extremely young player in a position to play a huge role on a team that wants to make the playoffs. So uh, it might take a while for Irv Smith. He might be kind of a buy low in a year or two uh, in that Vikings offense, but I do have him third in Dynasty, Sternberger fourth, then I have Knox, Oliver, and Waring. Um, you know, I, I think those are all similar prospects. They go to Buffalo, Jacksonville, Houston, they'll work their way up the depth chart. Knox and, and Oliver have a chance to play a lot right out of the gate. Whereas a guy like Sternberger, probably not. And Warring's behind a couple mid round rookies from last year, but don't forget about Drew Sample too. I've seen him available extremely late. I know he's more of a blocker, but, uh, you know, he goes in the second round and, and he, you can get him almost for free in rookie drafts. You know, if he works his way into a full-time job, maybe he turns into a, you know, a Jack Doyle or a Kyle Rudolph and ends up getting getting you, you know, fringe tight end one numbers. It's interesting for sure. And again, it's not like I, I think the guy is a sky high ceiling, but again, you can get him like with your last pick in your rookie draft. So he's a guy not to forget about a tight end. 
Yeah, I think that's real smart. I was uh, recently talking to Matt Waldman, and we were talking about Drew Sample and, you know, the draft capital that they invested in him obviously speaks volumes. And I think you could even, while he doesn't have as good a draft capital, I think Foster Moreau is very intriguing, similar to Sample, because if Darren Waller, who's been getting some pub at Oakland, if he doesn't become a thing, Foster Moreau's a guy who can get on the field a lot and potentially be a guy that surprises, even though he's known more for his blocking ability. Sure. So, Mike, excellent job. Thank you so much uh, for joining me here at Saturday to Sunday. I'm sure most of our, uh, our audience follows you, but please let everyone know uh, if, where they can find you on Twitter and if there's anything over at ESPN you guys are working on or when the podcast, you know, the, uh, the podcast that you're a part of is coming back, anything you want to let our audience know about. Yeah, thanks, Paul. I appreciate uh, you having me on. And, uh, of course, you can check out ESPN.com. I have some NFL content, fantasy content, Fantasy Focus podcast. will be back soon. We'll be doing more uh, uh, TV work, too, here with the Daily Wager as we get into gambling a little bit uh, here at the Worldwide Leader. So, uh, yeah, a lot coming. My schedule is filling up fast for July and August. And it's not just vacations. It's a lot of uh, a lot of content coming, too. So, again, good talking uh, Dynasty. We'll have some, hopefully some some Dynasty content as well on the site but uh, again a lot to come over at espn absolutely guys make sure you're following mike make sure you're checking out all that work so on behalf of mike on behalf of our sound and tech engineer david nakano and myself thank you for joining us and we look forward next time taking you from saturday to sunday